Today on Launchpad, you'd be amazed at what you can accomplish when failure is not an option and you are not afraid to fail. So <laughs> we're here with John Wexler of FailFest. I'm so excited to talk about uh, one of my favorite things in the whole wide world, which is failure. Uh, one of the sayings I often say to my employees is, and everybody at my company is, 99% of our ideas are garbage and 1% is gold. But you have to have all of the ideas in order to get to that gold. So um, I preach the benefits of failure all the time. So the fact that you guys are having an event that celebrates failure uh, makes me very happy because I think a lot of people view failure as failure when really failure is the key to success. There's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, no doubt about it. And uh, I guess the thing I'm most excited about, Josh, is... Is that beer right there? Yeah, no, the beer, <laughs> definitely. But the uh, we finally found a, uh, a conference that I'm uh, qualified to run. <laughs> no shit, right? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, it really started out a few years ago, and I think it, we we were talking about uh, doing an event, and you know what would be good topics, and somehow failure kind of popped up, and we were talking about how you know we as as humanity we cannot turn away from a train wreck or a failure. People will sit and listen to someone talk about how they completely hit the wall. Yeah. And, and do it. Nobody wants know. to hear your success story. Exactly. That's... Well, who wants to go to dinner with the successful guy, right? I was Nobody. at a conference uh, about a month and a half ago in Nashville, and I forget the speaker's name, but great he said. Great city. I was just down there. What's that? A great city. I love Nashville. I love Nashville. Yeah. They are, they're on fire right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, the conference speaker said, look, don't, you don't want to go to dinner with the successful guy. You want to pick the guy in the body cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The stories are going to be so much more interesting. And uh, you'll you'll probably learn some things, but uh, yeah. So uh, it, it's really exciting when you start thinking about all these successful people that are willing to step up and talk about a time in their life where things didn't go like they thought they should. And it's been amazing. We've had people come to tears, not only on the stage while giving presentations, but in the audience, hearing about personal failures and challenges. But we've had Olympic gold medalists, we've had uh, public CEOs, we've had Inc. 500 CEOs. This year, um, we have a, a two-time Super Bowl champion. We have one of the founders of Exact Target, and we have some amazing people that are willing to get on stage and and talk about uh, failure. That's that's incredible. So, uh, it, it it just got started that simply. You guys, it came up as you're trying to figure out something to do, and somebody said, "Why not talk about failure?" Yeah, I, I, uh, I like anybody... it, it works for the Jersey Shore. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna parlay this into something that entrepreneurs can use too. Absolutely. Well, and, and we've seen it. Yeah. So, I mean, it did start as just kind of blurting out. In fact, I, I think I may have said, we need a fail fest. And then it was kind of like, hmm? you know, it's kind of just look around. And the room. it's got a it's great like, ring to it. It really does. I couldn't believe the domain was available. Failfest.us, the dot us, failfest us. It's our, you know, experience <laughs> collectively. But um, the idea of celebrating the role of failure in innovation is the, is the crux of, of what we're going after here. And that is, if you imagine a world where we only did the things that we were sure we wouldn't fail at, what kind of a boring place would that be? Well, you wouldn't be doing anything. No, I mean, you wouldn't beer, right? I mean, that is, a that is by definition, something that you're going to fail at a whole bunch before you can get a good recipe. Right. Music, you know, I mean, think about how many times a musician has to practice and play something to get it perfect, what we hear at a concert or on a recording. Marriages. Marriage, relationship, <laughs> business, hairdos, you know, I mean, you name it. I think there's uh, there's so much in the world that is based on trial and error that it seems like it's something that we should get together and, and actually try to learn from people that have been successful what the role of failure uh, was in their success. Well, wouldn't it be nice if you could learn from other people's failures? It would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, I don't seem to be able to do that. Like, I like to think that maybe I do more than I give myself credit for, but I'm, I'm the kind of guy that really likes to to fuck shit up on my own (laughs) I like to really get in there and you know I know you're saying it's not gonna work out like that's my relationship with my dad growing up he's like that won't work that's not gonna work that's not gonna work told you that wasn't gonna work exactly no I was I was thinking I was kind of reliving yeah my experience in that same way but also you know with our daughter right she's so interested and curious and everything around her that she wants to experiment all the time and I find myself trying to restrain saying you know that's you should do it you know this is not gonna you know and i'll i'll stop myself because the reality is experiencing something like that for yourself 
is inordinately more valuable for for you to learn than someone telling you. And of course, we're not going to let her hurt herself or, you know, uh, do anything like that. But experimenting and learning is such a powerful way to understand, you know, the right way to do things. Yeah. So how did you get involved? How did you get involved in this? Let's take it all the way back to the beginning. How? How, how, how many times did you fail to get to where you are now? Oh, my goodness. Uh, how, how long is this podcast? Well, it's as long as you want it to be. Well, um, I, uh, so the way I got started in this is I um, am the founder and CEO of Launch uh, Fishers. And uh, we also created a program called Launch Indiana to bring entrepreneurial mentorship uh, to the state's innovation-driven entrepreneurs. And so we spent, believe it or not, an awful lot of time talking about um, experiences and how that may impact someone's path to success or their timeline, right? What we ultimately want to do with Launch Fishers and Launch Indiana is shorten someone's path, but also increase the odds that they're going to be successful. And so oftentimes that involves uh, trying to explain to someone why um, a product pivot is a good idea. Maybe their product isn't going to hit the mark or, um, you know, why a particular financial strategy isn't going to work or, you know, and sharing experiences I have found uh, and is is the best way to do that. This goes back to my early involvement with an organization called the Young Entrepreneurs Organization, YEO. It was later named EO. But uh, the whole uh, point of this organization was to bring entrepreneurs together to learn from their peers. Yeah. And the, the methodology there is about experience sharing versus opinion sharing. And so what you find out very quickly is the most valuable learnings from your peers come from experiences that they had, not opinions that they have. And, uh, and so, you know, I've always grown up with this methodology in my head for when people come to me and say, I need your advice on something. And I'll stop and I'll say, look, I don't, I don't I'd rather not give advice. Uh, but what I will do is share experiences that I may have had that are relevant <laughs> uh, and, and helpful. Because at the end of the day, if you come to me and say, hey, I need advice on this particular challenge. If I give you advice and you do it and it doesn't work, you're going to come back and say, hey, man, you told me to do this. And <laughs> whereas if I can say when I was in this position similar to what you're going through right now, I did this and this was the outcome. You can learn then from my experience versus just let me tell you what you should do. Yeah, and you can, uh, it, that, that opens the door to it being tweaked and flexed to what they need as opposed to them doing exactly written instruction, which never, never works because every situation is, is very unique in its own way. Absolutely. Yeah. So carry on. Yeah, so uh, so then uh, as we do, um, <clears throat> excuse me, as we do um, uh, events all the time with Launch Fishers and Launch Indiana, anyone that knows me uh, knows that I just need an excuse to throw a, a party or a get-together. I like you. And <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, we do uh, every other week, uh, we do events at Launch Fishers where we do a, a beer and pizza meetup for all of our members. Uh, we do a, every other month uh, a larger member meetup. Uh, we do, you know, do stuff all the time. We're doing an Adobe Creative Jam, um, actually tonight at Launch Fishers. Think hackathon, but for creatives. Um, you know, there's all kinds of stuff, and that's you know sponsored by Adobe. So they're going to be in. That's awesome. Uh, the given prizes away. The creatives get to come in and do every. It's mostly UX focused and graphic design, but they also do visual, motion graphics, and all kinds of cool uh, creative jams. And so we just look for things to do that will engage our membership and the broader community to bring people together to grow, learn, and, and just try to make our condition uh, all that much better uh, around us. So FailFest, when it came up, seemed like a really interesting idea. I will tell you that I reached out in the first year to about 20 people that I thought would be interesting speakers. And it was like I was almost 20 for 20. It was unbelievable that my, my phone call or my email was so quickly and positively responded to that I knew we were on to something. So I immediately thought, this is not a one-time deal. We're going to do these uh, every year. How, how long has it been going now? This is our third year. And so uh, the first year we did it in a completely unfinished. And, and by the way, the other thing that was quite emboldening to me was I thought, what's the worst thing that could happen here, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, we as fail. you should. Yeah. At fail fest, right? <laughs> yeah. So let's just take a shot. We produced the event in a, a really short period of time, something like 45 days, including a from scratch brand. Um, all the identity, everything about the event we created in a very short period of time. And we did it in a, a building that was unfinished. It was a, a steel stud building. There wasn't even drywall on it. We wrapped it with pipe and drape and made it look cool and um, had about 300, 350 people show. 
the second year we did it in a hangar at uh, the Metropolitan Airport up in Fishers and had about the same attendance, but it was in this giant hangar. That was super cool. This year we're doing it at Fishers High School and we're getting their Performing Arts uh, Center, which is a 900 seat, uh, super cool venue and uh, a nice stage set up, pro audio and video. It's going to be a really amazing time and we're hoping to attract maybe a little bit more than what we've historically done. That's awesome. We've also seen it uh, expand uh, to Raleigh-Durham did one. We had a call from D.C. They were interested. They ended up not, they ended up not doing it. But uh, we also have one on the books for Terre Haute for September. The Terre Haute one is going to be at the uh, Indiana Theater, which uh, if anybody that knows that area, this uh, theater was the first of its kind, the atmospheric theater design. Really large-scale, uh, you know, super uh, detailed theater design. And uh, we're going to be doing a fail fest out there with uh, launch uh, Terre Haute and Shelly Klingerman uh, serving as the host out there and convener. We're going to have colleges uh, in the area that are going to participate in it. So we're having fun with it. That sounds awesome. And that's quite the growth path. So it, it, is this something you're, I mean, obviously you're turning it into something else beyond Launch Fisher. Is it, do you see it getting bigger than Launch Fisher's itself? You know, I mean, I don't have a plan for it, to be honest. It's something that um, as long as it's working, meeting a need, and it doesn't cost us an arm and a leg. We can do these events through the very generous support of our sponsors. And, you know, we have organizations um, like Elevate, shameless plug. Um, no, go you know, for it. <laughs> Duke Energy, you know, AT&T, Barnes & Thornburg, these companies that come in and will write us a check, <clears throat> excuse me, so we know that we can start an event. Elevate Ventures. Elevate Ventures, yeah. yep. So uh, Chris LeMoe. I've been hanging out with Kelly. Okay, all yeah. right. You know, uh, so Kelly, Flet uh, Kelly, uh, uh yeah. So, you know, we uh, figured out a long time, we met, what, three years ago, and um, we figured out that we played Little League Baseball together. Really? <laughs> he lives in Valparaiso. Somebody reconnected us, like, you two should meet. So he comes to Launch Fishers, and we do the, who do you know, where'd you grow up, what'd you do, blah, blah, blah. And he said he went to North Central, I went to Pike. Um, he graduated in 82, I think, I graduated in 83. And, you know, he said, I loved baseball. I played every blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait a minute. There's no way we didn't cross paths because I grew up playing Little League ball. And we figured out that we both played at Randsburg Little League and more than likely either played against each other or even on the same team. That's a that's a small world. It's just a really small yeah, world. Five, and, five uh, degrees. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you watched? I watched a video on that on YouTube because we're, we're working on a, a marketing and sales strategy that we call uh, the Kevin Bacon strategy. Because <laughs> it's the, attaching our accounts that currently use our product to other accounts through yep. various degrees of connection, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, I, it's it's funny on that point, real quick. Yeah. I have a, a friend of mine that when he introduces me, he introduces me as the Kevin Bacon of entrepreneurship. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. You spend your life doing something, you end up you know meeting a lot of different people. Yeah, de very connected. Yeah, but I was just anyway. It's not really that great of a story. Just how incredible, um, how incredibly connected we all are as humans. And it doesn't, you know, if you don't think about it, it doesn't feel like it. But then the second you start to put even a remote bit of thought into it, like how many people you know through, well, through networking. Networking Absolutely. is the most important thing you can do for your business. I would ever. agree. And, and I think being a good friend, right, being a good person, uh, I think it's so Yeah, that's under good. That's a good thing to try to be. <laughs> but I mean, it's so underrated, right? I mean, most people don't think about it that way, right? Yeah. Business is about relationships. And you know, I mean, there are a lot of times when you see people win where you're like, eh, you know, okay, whatever, they won. And then there are times when the good guys win, right, in air quotes. And, and <laughs> you know, it's not always the same, right? The winners aren't always the good guys. And No, they're it, not at all. It's great to see it when, when good people succeed. And uh, I think that, you know, if people could understand a little bit more how these relationships impact lives around them and then the strength of your network. I mean, you look at someone like Scott Dorsey, for instance, and one of the reasons I believe he's so successful is he's universally liked. He's a likable mm -hmm. entrepreneur, and, and he's also really good at what he does. When you start getting those two circles to really overlap, that's when you're your you know your pot starts to get really full right you get a lot of a lot of people that want to dip you know stuff put stuff into your bucket versus take it out yeah and uh, no, i agree well you get a, it's a mirror man life's a mirror right so whatever you put out it's going to reflect right back at and you. not always quid pro quo right i mean you know people that think the karma bank uh is a one-for-one -one where you put it in and you get it back out they don't understand it 
No, um, it's not at all like that. Yeah. <laughs> and if so. you're thinking like that, you don't have a karma bank in the first place. By definition, <laughs> right? You're yeah. starting in in uh, yeah in in the negative. So. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't it doesn't work like that. Absolutely. Your account is not even open. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so what's the story on these magnets here? This looks kind of so. Cool. These magnets, you should have one, but I we, failed. Yeah, it's, he failed. Oh, I failed. This isn't a positive failure. This okay. Is, <laughs> but there. So that's what makes the cup work. Nice. Um, Pete the Planner, by the way, has already tweeted out nice magnet of PTP. He saw his magnet via the uh, oh, tweet oh, nice. that John nice. just sent out. Oh, so it goes. That's what goes on there. It goes the other nice. side. Nice. Okay. Yes. Oh, oh that's so close. Yeah. No, it takes some getting used to. It like that, I can probably get it in there. There you go. Nice. Okay. So that's what makes it work. And then go ahead and put it on there. I'm gonna have another beer Unbelievable. anyway. Unbelievable. So. That is so cool. I'm going to let go of the cup. Okay. I think there's something wrong with the cooling unit on this. It's a possibility. Yeah. We've been needing to replace it. That is really cool. Where are you in the product life cycle here? Is this something that's out and about right now? Oh, yeah. No, we shipped to 20 countries last year. Oh, my gosh. I feel... Now, that's a failure on my part to do a little bit of research before this, but... Hey, no, that's okay. I can't believe I haven't heard about this. This Yeah, no, we're all over the place. I just... I mean... Everywhere, we just I just wrote I just put a P or not a PO I I just got a PO for a container load of cups and eleven dispensers going to Africa next month. So nice and I mean all kinds of stuff. It's great. It's really cool. So let's get to the fun stuff. Failure, right? So you've got you've heard a lot of stories of failure. I'm sure you failed a lot. Give me a story. Why are you don't you don't need to say that so well just uh, you just look you look like a failure. <laughs> nice. My wife would validate that. I mean, I am not the uh, For those of you listening to this show, this man looks like a complete failure. No, I do not. Come on. Now. My my attire... I am I'm, I'm probably the biggest failure in the room. I mean, we could trade stories. <laughs> so, um yeah, my wife uh, practically dresses me. I mean, she sees me walk down from work, and she just shakes her head, and she's like, you cannot wear that with, you know, those socks or this jacket with that shirt. And yeah, no, I'm a failure for sure in that department. Well, so you're supposed to learn from your failures. So. I'm not. Yeah, you're not, not that well, here's one. What I, here's what I know. It's just like, I'm just not good at that. The shorts and the flip-flops are way more comfortable yeah. than, than anything else, and that's what I like to wear. So, And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. That's 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 not a failure. That's no. that's knowing yourself. Absolutely. So what happens when you're like me? I, I believe I'm like the Maxwell Smart of failing. <laughs> I somehow stumble upwards, and it works out. That's a great analogy. Yeah. No, that's so, that's that, nice. That is good. So give that's me a story. Good. Well, you want a failure story? Yeah. Well, one you've heard from doing fail fest, or one of your own. Well, all right. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, when we started this... Uh, Maxwell Smart. I feel like that's how I run my business, Maxwell Smart style. <laughs> it's, it's, Would you believe? It's, it's very res- right. resonates quite well. Anyway, so, sorry. Uh, no problem. Um, Mayor Fadness and I, uh, who is my uh, partner in crime in the creation of Launch Fishers and Launch Indiana and this, this vision of an entrepreneurial city, uh, this is a guy that is uh, 34, uh, he just gets all this stuff and how communities can can be built around entrepreneurship and innovation. And when we first started this, well, that's we, what they are built on. I mean, have you are you have you read Atlas Shrugged? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah but not the whole thing, but you know. Yeah, I, well, bless your heart if you got through the whole thing. <laughs> I did, but it's I understand why you could, wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but uh, no, it really is. It's what what builds uh, strong communities, and uh, and so just a quick diversion there. One of the that's one of the reasons we spend so much time engaging high schoolers and elementary and I mean you, you look at the the range of our audiences that we talk to about entrepreneurship and innovation it's our belief that that that's additive to the culture of our community and ultimately if you can make entrepreneurship and innovation a dinner table discussion and do it over a long period of time you are going to change the way the next generation thinks about building their community right um so uh mayor this, this kind of stuff makes me feel good like we you, you turn on the tv every day and it's it's a story about some ungrateful somebody having their hand out and in my interaction with a lot of people is like that i mean even my employees sorry guys if you're listening but a lot of you expect a lot that you shouldn't because <laughs> you haven't earned it and um <laughs> it's it's good that that just makes me feel good 
that well and, and there are people like you having these conversations there are people like me having these conversations there are other people having these conversations well it's surprising how when you can convene a discussion on that or bring people together whether it's over beer and pizza or just a one-on-one interaction it's really surprising how many people really understand this and believe mm-hmm. this and i just think that you know, I, I look at, at the world as, I mean, you know, I'm an eternal optimist, right? I mean, I just believe that, um, you know, every day it's our chance to look in the mirror and say, you're going to wake up and kick a little ass today. Yeah. And, you know, there are other people that, that, you know, if you want to walk around, you know, talking about how bad stuff is and, and how it sucks, it's probably going to suck for you. Yeah, well, it is going to suck for you. I mean, it, yeah, whether you think you can or you cannot, you are right. Absolutely. And you know what? There's uh, That's half the battle. Everybody has, uh, well, Bobby Knight, right? My favorite quote from that guy is, uh, everybody has the will to succeed. Very few have the will to prepare to succeed. Yeah, that's so, a good one. The, I, I said to my board the other day, uh, <laughs> I, guys, guys, I understand that there is a difference between optimism and lying to myself. I get that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. As I was defending my position. Nice. That's yeah. good. That's that's quote worthy right there. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. It's a fine fucking line. It is really fine. <laughs> well, you know what? Because you have to believe in your success, your, 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 yourself, right? Yeah. If you don't, who's going to? But then there is that point where you have to say, you know, the, the path that we're on uh, is not going to lead to success. And, and, you know, that is stuff that I have experienced in my lifetime, right? You've been in a business venture and you have to make that tough call and it is uh it's something that i've gotten better at over time right i used to be uh one that wanted everybody to get along and and i i didn't want to make that tough call but when you when you understand how liberating that is for all involved especially when you talk about building an enterprise your company your employees your customers they all know you need to make a change and and it, it it's harder for all of them when the ceo won't Sometimes you have to walk in the room and say, you know what, this is, and and it, and you can do this with compassion and in a way that it makes everybody. Uh, well, and it's so much worse in your head than it actually it is. is when you do it. Like I'm this exact same way. If if I were to uh, if if I were to give myself criticism, which I think I'm good at, um, that is where I struggle the most. Is is that exactly what we're talking about? And every time I sack up and actually do it. It was way easier than I ever thought it would have been. And everybody is so much happier because they're all think, thinking the same thing. Yep. They were all thinking it. And they're everybody's happier with the changes that were made. I mean, people that I've let go, they're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just, I, you know, I'm going to agree with you on this. <laughs> yep. No, it's, uh, and it's a relief, really, uh, yeah. I think, for everyone. And it's, it's liberating also. I mean, you look at, I'm not a big believer in the Jack Welch methodology that you have to cut you know, the bottom 10%, every, every year you, you call the, you know, the herd and, and thin it out from the bottom. And that was his methodology. Uh, but when you do have someone that's not a cultural fit or someone that's not a, uh, not reaching their fullest potential with you, I believe that the greater good uh, matters. And that if, if somebody can't reach their full potential with you, if you can either help them uh, by, you know, sponsoring them in to meet other people or, we're just having that discussion with them. They're probably going to be happier in the long run. And so, right. you know, it's, I'm, I'm a big believer that open and honest dialogue about how things are going all the time is the best way to do this. Yeah, I completely agree. And some of those, uh, I heard a quote the other day that was really good. It was, I'm going to probably butcher it, but it was he who's willing to have the most awkward conversations first is going to be successful. So yeah, I absolutely. kind of took that one to heart as I struggle with awkward conversations, which sounds very uh counter intuitive if, if the people listening to the show are like yeah right no you made fun of the last guy's ponytail <laughs> <laughs> so but i don't know <laughs> yeah so uh to your original question right yeah. one, of, one of the things that uh that mayor fadness uh said in the early days i mean he he talked about you know his failure right I and mean, it's pretty rare that you get uh get an elected leader mm-hmm. to talk about failure but he really zeroed in on his two key weaknesses uh, are that he, he cares too much and he tries too hard. And <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's you can't failure cannot be humble brag. Right. And and that's one of the things that uh, in the early days of FailFest, we wanted to make sure that people didn't just get up there and say, you know, I won a silver at the Olympics. And, and this is how I looked when I was 19. And, you know, all this <laughs> stuff where it's like, wait a minute, we want to hear about very real personal or professional failures and um you know keeping in uh with the with the beer analogy right scott wise 
uh, stood on stage and talked about a moment when he was near death. And it was absolutely unbelievable what he talked about. And this was, this was recent, right? This is the last few years. And uh, he had the whole audience just kind of really engaged and, and listening to his story. And, um, you know, we've had some pretty, pretty amazing speakers. We had another, uh, another gentleman that, uh, that talked about growing up uh, in Canada uh, with uh, burning coal for heat in their home and in the poorest village, the poorest home kind of thing. And today he runs, you know, a multi-billion dollar enterprise and, and makes more than probably everybody in that room combined. Uh, his W-2 uh, probably surpassed. And, uh, and he's the most humble guy, the most amazing story. And, and that's the kind of stuff to me that, uh, that I just love. I love hearing. Well, what I found from, I mean, my, uh, my entrepreneurial journey is founded in failure. I mean, I was at the absolute lowest point of my uh, personal, professional. I mean, I was at the absolute bottom and I, uh, I took a mindset of, I'm going to be the CEO of Minute Maid here. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, life's giving me lemons. We're going to make some goddamn <laughs> nice. lemonade. I like that. And um, I just started, I just started climbing back up as hard and fast as I could. And when I look back, I was miles and miles and miles beyond where I had even been to begin with. And it was, I mean, it's, you know, sometimes the the harder you fall, the higher you can bounce. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that is the key, right? It's not about getting knocked down, but it's getting back up. Yeah. And that's a judge of everybody's. I mean, that's the ultimate judge of your character. It's not about whether you failed. It's how you responded to said failure. Yeah, I agree entirely. I've, I've, I have joked for quite some time that as an entrepreneur, I feel like I can hold my breath longer than the world can hold me under. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. so I'm just going to win. It's a question of how long it's going to take me to I solve like a problem That's or good. work something out. But this is a very quote-filled show. That we're going to have to go back through. <laughs> sound and just, bites. Yeah, all kinds of sound bites. That's that's great. I I do the exact same thing. Didn't even realize I do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the everybody's seen that cartoon of the the frog that's going down the pelican's throat, mm-hmm. and he has his grip on the neck. As long as you stay on that neck and do not let go, you're not going down. <laughs> so you control your destiny, right? Yeah. The frog in the pelican's throat. That's me. That's <laughs> that's every entrepreneur it that is. has ever decided to. Trust me, anybody that's ever been dumb enough to do it, your ass hanging out in the air for everybody to see, and you're going down this this bird's throat, and and as long as you hold on to that neck, you're not going to go down. It might be uncomfortable, it's not ideal, but it's important to to hold on and and stay the course. Pelicans are crazy. I I watched one eat a pigeon on YouTube the other day. Oh my gosh. It's like, what the shit? Yeah. that's Isn't that crazy. cannibalism of some sort? It's certainly, yeah, in the same family. I mean, well, who are we to talk? I mean, we drink another species milk, you know? I mean... That's a, that's a fair, fair point. What other animal does that, by the way? Are there any other animals know. that go out and collect the milk from a mother and then feed it to their young and drink it themselves? Most of them just collect the mother and feed it to their young. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, it no, got I, me I there. I think there is, actually... I mean, we might be able to make that happen. We could set that up. Maybe get like a, a pig to nurse a dog or something. Ooh. No? Yeah, no. Let's, let's <laughs> I'm go back sure to it's that. happened. I think there's... I think let's there's get those, topic. I think there's those videos out there where like a, uh, a an abandoned kitty or something like that winds up... adopted by up. a yeah, dog. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. naturally speaking, you. probably not, no. usually. I'll leave it to you guys to Google search that one. <laughs> Let us know what you We find. will be Googling that later. Yep. We will be putting a little window and window in the, in the broadcast. <laughs> so what's your biggest failure? Oh my gosh. You know, it, it's funny because here we are talking about fail fest yeah. and I am, uh, the way I tend to deal with failure is, um, I firewall it after it's done, right? I try to learn whatever I can, but I do not, I don't look back and that's, I don't know whether it's a defense mechanism or something that allows me to focus, you know, on the future. I simply see very little value in just reliving a failure, right? And go over and over and over again. I've learned it. It's in my DNA. My biggest failure was probably in college with a bottle of tequila. And I mean, ever since then, I've, not, I've got a gag reflex. I smell it and it's just like, 
I think in business I'm the same way. I just I don't have to keep thinking about how bad it sucked. I just well, come on back to the tequila story. <laughs> bad. I remember. Uh, yeah, no, it was bad. What I remember of it uh, was that's not was, much of a story. Tell the story. I well, it, I probably, I don't know. It's I don't even really remember that much of it. I just remember I cannot smell tequila without gagging a little bit, and I'm having to introduce myself back into the world of all those wonderful drinks. And so, like a strawberry margarita that's heavily diluted, I can I can do that, and I get a little hint of it, I'm okay, but man, I, tequila shots, no way. <laughs> I've always managed to rebound from every one of my bad alcohol experiences. I think I was 14, 15 years old, and I drank a fifth of vodka. Ooh. John Bonham style, pretty there. much by myself. Wow! Because I, I mean, I, I was, I had been drinking for a little. I, I've been drinking way longer than I should be. I've been drinking for a while. Didn't it was beers, you know, like sneak beers and stuff. This is a, this is a fifth of, of liquor. Oh, so that's I mixed, dangerous! I was mixing it with a Slurpee and drinking it. I ended up so drunk. My sister and my, my best friend at the time had to get me upstairs and put me in bed. I woke up in the middle of the night, threw up all over my pillow was too drunk to do anything about it so i flipped my pillow over and went back to bed uh. <laughs> and then the next morning i'm positive but my dad knew i had to be up to no good he made me scrub uh both bathrooms in the house top to bottom and i was it was one of the most miserable experiences i've ever ever been through but you learned a lot from that though no because no <laughs> i didn't because i have another i have so many stories like that <laughs> nice I recently woke up on a men's room floor in a Nashville recently <laughs> bathroom. Yeah, well, like six, eight months ago. Okay, yeah. all right. See, yeah. I'm a dad. All this stuff's history, <laughs> so I can talk about it now. That's one thing about failure, right? Is that you don't typically see people that want to talk about failure when it's happening. Like, you know, if you're an alcoholic, you don't want to stand up and go, "I, I, I was trash last night, and I, you know, I'm bouncing checks, and I'm unemployable, <laughs> and you know, I'm bailing left and right." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But while it's happening, it's a little bit harder oftentimes. And even in recent history, right, failure tends to be something that people want to talk about after they've recovered from it and they've bounced back. Right. Well, and yeah. So it, it's, it, you know, it's an interesting, uh, like, I mean, I just honestly, I mean, you asked me. I like to talk failure. about it at all times. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, I mean, but so if, if you're failing, like if you're in the middle of failing and you're talking about it, it's much easier to either correct the failure and fix it or or get through it if, if 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 you tell people what's going on more times than not they will come to you with support to help you through whatever you're going through. your friends do yeah mine laugh at me i mean they're just like but sometimes maybe that's what you need to get through <laughs> it i'm kidding i have a very supportive network of friends and uh no i agree with you your friends it, are the one they, they kick you when you're down yeah it's totally. the best time to kick somebody absolutely it's so back. easy right you <laughs> yeah. reach them your foot doesn't have to go far i mean exactly no it's uh it, it is very important i agree that's a, a big part of of having a good support network around you being able to to share your experiences and uh yeah uh grow from them so your biggest failure was a bottle of tequila, and you don't remember the story. Well, you're not giving me a lot here. I can't. I don't really. I don't know. The I'm listeners not, are like, "Boo!" Right I'm now. sorry. All right, I'll think about it. We'll come back to it. Let me see if I can come up with something that's really, really uh, uh, provocative. Yeah. Yeah. Like right, you want you... it in business or personal or I don't care. Anyone, anything. Uh, yeah. um, I was gonna say. I, I think uh, going back a little bit to the firewall comment, I think that's probably one of the best things that I've ever used in my life to deal with failure and that was especially when um i mean i can relate it back to when i was making like pennies on the dollar you know back in my early radio career where i had to live with four other then people now, to what, live. You, what were you making then like a dollar uh, yeah. an hour yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but back then you know i had to live with four other people to survive i was barely making rent check payments barely make you know and i'd bounce stuff left and right do the whole well if i put the check out here today i should have it covered but and then it doesn't next thing you know the bank's charging you 35 dollars twice because it goes through twice <laughs> and you know you just rack up a huge amount of debt to the bank and i learned long ago that well what's happens happened you can't do anything about what you've already done uh the only thing that you can do is all right what's the next step how do i correct or recover from the problem it's not something that i can fix post you know it's it's done it's happened yeah no there's not a time machine that we know of right but i know of anyway 
and uh, my next project. I got one right here, but <laughs> yeah, you do off camera the uh, DeLorean from Back to the Future. But you know, it's just one of those that I we're don't... gonna have to have uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids meet um, Back to the Future in order to do anything <laughs> right. with that. Nice. But, you know, it's one of those where I think sometimes people dwell so much on what's happened that they can't get out of their own head to move forward. Uh, you just have to realize that there's no fixing what's already been done. You can only, you know, make corrective steps in the future to not do that again or to move yourself into a better place. And, you know, I think people get in their heads too much. Well, people absolutely get in their heads. So I have a, I have a very good friend that... I mean, we're all our own worst enemy, right? Um, but so much time, they spend so much time trying to not fail or worrying about what will happen if they do fail. I call it, and I use this all the time, it's called object fixation. And I learned it from driving a race car. And it is applicable to every aspect of your life. And in driving a race car, it is, you don't focus on what's going on around you. You be aware of it but you focus all of your attention and you look exactly where you want to go and the car will go there most of the time. Um, you don't focus on the wreck that's happening next to you. You don't focus on, on you focus on where you want to go, not what you're trying to avoid. And when you focus on what you're trying to avoid in racing, if you focus on the wreck, you're going to be drawn right to that wreck. If yep. you focus on what you're trying to miss, you're going to be drawn right to it. And the same thing happens with failure in life. If you focus on the problem and you, concern yourself with the problem so much guess what's going to happen exactly what your worst fear is because you're drawing yourself to the problem and you're not focusing on what you want to happen so it's it is it's all in your head there's, all of there's it. no doubt i mean i i, I agree entirely where did would you race by the way let's, let's talk about that for a second uh stock car just a just a beat up hobby stock on did a dirt you? track oh yeah right. from 17 to to 19 oh, man, just two seasons you. but yeah my family was super into racing i grew up on a dirt track okay out, out west yeah it was right. awesome love 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 racing so a little known uh a little known part of my history is i used to own a uh, a karting track oh awesome down in whiteland the whiteland raceway park cool and uh i i used to race a little bit i had a shifter like what uh, yeah two yeah two but I, I raced uh briggs yeah it was a no it was a 125 um, but a six speed zero to 60 back to zero in four and a half seconds. Crazy fast. They're so, I mean, people, when you say I went from go-karting to IndyCar, people are like, what? Yeah. But they don't know what these go-karts are like. They're yeah. insane. Well, and a lot of the Indy, uh, and uh, a lot of the racers actually drive go-karts, uh, these shifters, yeah. uh, because the, the eye hand coordination and the horsepower to weight ratio, all the things that they deal with. The quickness. Very similar. Yeah. yeah. That short wheelbase. You got to be quick a lot of fun yeah. though uh so yeah i'm uh i grew up out at the uh indianapolis motor speedway my grandfather was an official out there oh really and uh, he That's did awesome. non-destructive testing so they did the metallurgical examination talk about failure right he would look at a control arm or a piece of a, of a car and be able to uh x-ray that thing and tell the driver that the part was going to fail and so oh, i grew sure. up out there with i mean he worked with the old you know old school aj foyt Gordon Johncock, Johnny Rutherford, Al Unzer, you know, these these legends in open wheel racing. Well, that's, I mean, that's a, we're talking about something where failure is definitely the key to it moving forward and growing. Like Absolutely. Everything from safety to speed, I mean, across the board. Failure and cheating, I think. Oh, man, isn't it? Now, see, cheating or reading the gray area well. Yeah. What? Okay. Which one is it? Yeah. I think it's reading the gray area. It's all, well. it's shades of gray. Yeah, right? it's, it's <laughs> more, yeah, and more than 50. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's great. That was my favorite. So my dad um, is a fabricator. I grew up in a shop. And um, I mean, my the number one punishment that I could ever get was being grounded from the garage. So th yeah. that was, I mean, that's kind of what I live for is that gray area and being able to like what can we do in this area that nobody else is doing? Oh yeah, right, so, absolutely. Yeah, whether it's fuel, tires. Uh, you Have know. you read AJ Foyt's autobiography? No, but I need to. Oh, it's it's absolutely wonderful. He talks about all these people that uh, would read the gray area. Like the rules didn't say you couldn't do it. So. <laughs> exactly. Well, one of them was the guys built an entire one scale smaller car. This was before they had the templates that they would bring out. Thus, they have the templates that they bring out now yeah they built it i mean can you imagine the man hours that oh went into building a car that was just a fraction smaller than mm -hmm. everybody else's unbelievable car? that's yeah. very cool super Techs is one of a kind i mean i my favorite video of him is when he is in the indy 500 racing 
and he literally pulls in the pits and gets a wrench and a hammer and starts working <laughs> on his own car and uh, and goes on in the what race. year was this this was it feels like a 60s uh era <laughs> yeah. but uh but he he literally got out and worked on his own i guarantee you that's a googleable item you can awesome. you can see that video that of aj working on his own race car I was uh I was watching indie highlights the other day and there was that I think it's on I don't remember which bar it is but there's a wreck where the front monocoque breaks in half and the guy's legs are sticking off. Oh the front yes, of it. I remember that actually. And I was reading the Wikipedia page on this wreck and this guy, the guy dies in a van wreck in Australia two years later. Oh, he lives yeah. through that. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. There were so it, it depending on which one that actually happened a couple times. Um, and I want to say it was either Swede Savage or... It wasn't Swede Savage. Okay. It was a lesser known name. It was late. Okay. So it must have been later than that. Um, we but, were at one yeah, of the yeah. races when, when one of those happened in the first turn. And it, it, was, it was unbelievable that the guy survived. It's inc- I mean, it's incredible that anybody can survive an impact. At, what are they doing? 220 miles an hour? Yeah. And the G-load when they hit, I mean, is... Uh, yeah. And that's where the safer barrier, right? You talk about failure and innovation, right? I mean, the idea that they can now build walls that are called soft walls are safer um and and they're saving lives because these race drivers hit the yeah, walls Dale Earnhardt had to die for that shit to happen but yeah no doubt <laughs> that's, that's when they started with the safer barriers. i was at that race oh were you yeah oh man that was that was a sad day for me it was we were doing uh stan fox i believe is the one you were looking for yep. yeah. yeah i kept wanting to i was going to chime in earlier but i wanted to say john fox and then i was like no he's the coach <laughs> of the bronco or was the coach of the broncos um <laughs> But we have lost Stan all Fox. of our listeners Stan talking Fox. about exactly. racing. NASCAR, guys. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, um, you think of a story yet? <laughs> He's failed <laughs> at the story get thing. Um, <laughs> He's failed at... I mean, look. I mean, we fail every day. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I fail. I mean... You know, the, the stuff that I tend to focus on is how can I get better, not what did I fail at. And so, I mean, I, I'm in this weird stage of my life where, you know, I'm thinking about bigger picture failures. And, and like with everything that's going on in our society today, what, what can we do to make the world better? And, you know, to me talking about stuff like this, but the, the bigger picture of, you know, uh, uh, a couple of friends of mine and I, we were having these discussions about parasitic or, or predatory capitalism and and how that degrades a community and you know you look uh, at elaborate on that would you yeah well That's you look a great, at a uh, you look at a place uh, a community if you ever went to a community like if, if if we went up to the corner here and we needed to cash a check where would we go we'd go to the bank you know you, you look at at these communities uh, that are failing and falling apart uh, their very fabric is is falling apart um, they don't even have a bank in a lot of these communities, but they've got five check cashing places. Um, they don't have a, a grocery store, but they've got five convenience stores. And at the end of the day, when you start looking at the impact of that, and there are many other examples, right? Their ability to just get access to good, nutritious food for their kids. Uh, the collective impact of all of this activity is that people pay a whole lot more than they should or need to. Um, and and they're not getting the the base for for building a strong family. Mm-hmm. And you know I, I don't have the answer, other than saying let's be aware of this and let's let's be aware of how a seemingly innocuous capitalist endeavor, check cashing place or a pawn shop or a convenience store, may very well be harming the very fabric of a community. And you know. Again, I don't have the answer, but I'm I'm starting to become more and more aware of how all this is impacting our, our world. And yeah, I don't, I don't know what got me on that path other than saying that I'm trying to think about how I contribute to A, the problems, but B, the solutions to make all this a little bit better. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, we, my company offers uh, on that subject, we do pay advances because I don't want my employees going to a check cashing place because that is a downward spiral that absolutely. you absolutely do not want to get in do you need everybody knows do you need help come talk to me we'll help you and in, that is interest free and and we'll that is that oh really you don't charge them a fee up front no no i'm kidding i'm, I'm totally <laughs> no. kidding i'm totally kidding Maybe i should You're i think right. <laughs> that is uh that is the mark of a really uh good leader and a ceo that gets it and you know that when you uh, when your employees know that they can trust you to come to you with a problem or an issue or whatever well i've been there you know and didn't have any support necessarily so you know where do you go 
Yep. There's nowhere to go unless you got friends and family around. You may not have that. You know. So I try to keep. I, it's a. It's I. Hate to say it. It. It's a family. I mean, it sounds very cliche yeah. to say that. And we are growing to a place where it may not always be like that. But for now. Well, it's important too. I mean, you look at uh, um, the way the way you build. I believe uh, a strong community or a strong company, mm-hmm. strong organization is to establish early, if you can, at the inception, and if not, as soon as possible, a set of core values by which you're going to operate. And the purpose of that should be to enable people to take risks and learn to fail and feel like they can do almost anything they want within these boundaries, right? I've always been a big believer at WishU even, company that I started back in 2000 with a, a bunch of other people that have become lifelong friends. We published our core values almost from the very beginning, and they're still on that company's website 16 years later. Wow. And, you know, it, it looks at things like uh, we are entrepreneurs at heart, you know, honesty uh, and, and ethical treatment and mutual benefit uh, amongst our transactions and relationships, right? The idea being there, I don't ever want uh, one of my companies to take advantage of a customer by charging them more than we should or could, Right there, oftentimes you catch people in a compromising position. That doesn't mean that you charge them double or charge them extra. Right. You don't. You're not silly about it either. Like if if you have a creative agency and somebody's rushing you on a job and you need to do special things, you can charge them a rush fee. Peter fee. Yeah. What, what do you call it? Paint, P- a painting. Yeah, that's <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, we but, do charge those. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you should right because it's impacting your ability to do other things. Yeah. Um, but but the idea is that by establishing those core values. People can operate without rules, uh, with the exception of if they violate any of these core values, that's when the CEO is probably going to sit down and have a talk with them. If you're ever, you know, not honest or ethical or et cetera. Yeah, that's the one that um, that's the one that gets gets me the most is I don't and everybody that works for me or they I hope they know um, that messing up is perfectly OK. I mean, we wouldn't be here if we all didn't. And uh it's it's when people hide it is the most aggravating for me. Like, because yep. I can't help you with what you just messed up unless you let me know you messed something up. Yep. And I've had I've had employees that, that do that or are afraid to come to you with a problem or something that they just really screwed up. Yep. But the ones that go the furthest with me are like, hey, I really just fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and good Can, news never gets better with time. I mean, it it's never gets better. Hiding it or waiting, it does not help. Hiding it, trying to fix it on your own, it's not a good idea. Let everyone know so we can help. Yeah. So, yeah absolutely. A really uh, prominent radio person in Indianapolis for a long time before he finally went to Tampa Bay, uh, his first day on the job at X103, he came in, had a huge thing of Mountain Dew. One of the things that you're always taught is keep liquids away from the the operating board um you know because that thing is 50 plus thousand dollars and you don't want to spill anything on it well he screws up that basic thing and you know spills mountain dew all over the board and freaked the fuck out to the point where he thought he was going to get fired so instead of calling an engineer which is the first thing you do is you call an engineer say look i screwed up here's the problem they'll rush out they'll take care of it they'll fix it it's happened before it it'll happen again um he immediately tries to pull the module on the board out himself starts trying to clean it up and for at least five years later that button still stuck on that one piece that he and he luckily was able to survive that and came you know went on to be a, a star at x103 for years to come but it was just amazing that you know, he he made it worse. That module was pretty much toast after that. Nobody could use it. Thank God the board was big enough that we had other areas to go to. But <laughs> I mean, the fact that he didn't get fired, he was very lucky. And had he done what he was supposed to do, which was admit the failure, call the engineer, you know, lose a little pride, it would have worked out much better for him. Yeah, he wouldn't have been laughed at as much <laughs> as he is today. <laughs> Well, you know, now there's a good story. Mountain Dew, too. It's so Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what else you want to talk about? How, what are we doing? How are we doing on time? Uh, we're doing great on time. We've got 53 minutes in. That's not bad at all. Wow, time flies. It does. This is fun, though. You guys are great. I love this uh, building. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the environment that you've created here. It feels very, uh, very inviting, but yeah. uh, incredibly creative. Well, if it wasn't Brad's for girlfriend the... did a great job in here. Yeah. <laughs> If it wasn't for the failure of the first building and uh, getting robbed and not having security systems and not having insurance, 
I could go on. Oh my gosh! Oh uh, yeah, that's this place never would have existed the way it currently does. It's you know, true. It's, it's so many. It's so uh, much better. So many pl- uh, creative places, right? The ones that have all these electronics and cameras and and you know, etc. I hear stories all the time about them getting hit. It's like, you know, it must be a rite of passage that if you're going to be in the creative business or make videos or audio, <laughs> right. you're going to yep, get robbed a couple stolen. times or burglarized. No, we we've definitely. I mean, it still could happen, but at least we're prepared for it now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. My I think my biggest mistake in that first go around was. I was trying to save money, so I didn't have the insurance. Therefore, we got hit. And uh, my friend who owns this actual building, uh, Nathan Roush with Invention Pictures, he lost close to $40,000 worth of equipment, Mm. got about $40,000 worth of equipment repaid. I lost about $10,000 worth of of equipment at the time. Had to buy all that myself again. It sucked. Oh, that's brutal. Although Josh did help with one piece, so a couple pieces. So Yeah. I can tell you of one uh, on this one... badass table. Yes. Nice. So, oh, you did you make this? My I made my dad make it when he nice. was out visiting. This is good. This is. Uh, did he did he pour this and? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I like this too. The the mounts. That's why it has all the cracks in it. That's phenomenal. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's doing its thing though. I like yeah, it's it. It's aging nicely, right? It really is. Yeah. It's, it looks like a work of art to me. Well, yeah, it, it kind of is. You know, up at uh, up in Fishers, we have a, a store called uh, Vardigan. Uh, it's a it's a brand also um, mm-hmm. the art press uh, and uh, Jared Engel uh, is the entrepreneur's name and he first time ever poured a concrete uh, counter he first time he'd ever worked with concrete and the thing looks fabulous the second thing that he made was a concrete ping pong table that is out in our pocket park in Fishers awesome. and you can go into his store get ping pong paddles and balls and go out and play ping pong on this concrete regulation size ping pong ping pong table it's pretty cool that's badass i like concrete as a medium it's really yeah, really absolutely. really cool do a lot with it i mean polish it, it looks nice and yeah you can do all kinds of neat stuff with it well it's it's you can mold it into whatever shape you want absolutely yeah, i've spent many an hour on uh on the googles looking at some really amazing concrete countertops that people have made yeah it's not easy too i mean it really takes a lot to it looks easier than it is yeah it really does it's a fact well yeah. and i mean even with as beautiful as this thing is we've been prepared for it to fall apart since day one and so josh already has like version two in his head ready to go <laughs> yeah. i mean he's like i know how to make it better i know how to make it thicker stronger seriously failing is my favorite thing in you the know have world. you guys had uh clay uh from sun king on no not you yet totally not need to get him on he would be a hoot <laughs> yeah well, i'm sure we'll he would love to, to sit around a, a barrel and uh He'd be a good one who's right. your most interesting i mean other than i mean this is other riveting. than you this um, is riveting conversation i'm sure uh, Greg Burhop was pretty damn interesting. He is an entrepreneur that invented a board game. And I met him in Chicago after a beer fest. I was, well, after a beer fest, so I was smashed. <laughs> I get in the back of his Uber, and he has a sign on the back of each seat that is this, this game that he's invented. And I didn't know he invented it at the time. So we started talking about it, and the people I'm with are, you know, like, oh, he's the inventor of Bottoms Up. And they're like, oh, okay. So we're, we're you know, bullshitting back and forth. And I'm like, are you driving this Uber? So you can sell these board games. He's like, you got me. I'm like, dude, I love it. I love your drive. I will take a board game. So I, I would, I would have bought anything at that point. And but. the beautiful thing, of, well, were you gonna what continue? No, go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say the beautiful thing about Greg is he fits into this episode nicely. What do you mean? Well, he failed big time with his Kickstarter oh, campaign. Yeah. He failed with his Kickstarter campaign. So he fixed he got, it, but yeah. yeah. So he and actually, I'm as Kickstarter moves forward, I'm it's. I'm reading that it is more and more common that people um, really mess them up mm-hmm. because they, I mean, they have to supply the goods and they're like, oh, I got all this money. And then they spend the money on maybe not what they should have spent that money on. Yep. And next thing you know, and they have no manufacturing experience. They have no, or they just have this idea. So um, even those that spend the money where they think they're supposed to, like they're not yeah. just going out to Vegas and having a great time, but they're trying... It's like that trial and error, yeah, yeah, that trial and error where they just fuck it up because I don't know how many times I've bought a ch- microphone. I was like, nope, bought another one. Nope, can't really get rid of the first one because nobody wants the first one, which is why I shouldn't have bought it in the first place. And I have a, uh, the I think we call it, what do we call it? The money drawer in the office. So it's this, all this stuff that we've bought. It's got a, it's got a $20,000 laser in it. It's got a six-ish to 10-ish thousand dollar, um, vision system in it that just they we bought them and they don't 
they didn't do what we needed, so they're in this drawer now. Oh my god! Because <laughs> nobody needs them or wants them. <laughs> Get that on so, Craigslist or something. Yeah, you know. I, I don't know, know how many people are looking for twenty thousand dollar lasers on. Well, it's Craigslist. not worth twenty thousand dollars to anybody. Is the thing. I don't. Yeah. yeah no. It's, never buy a video jet laser. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Keyence. Keyence makes amazing lasers. Video jet. I hope you're listening. <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. 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 <laughs> <laughs> The sales lady was really nice. Donna, you were really nice. But <laughs> Is that how else... the deal got closed then? Or... Well, yeah, she did a great job. And then their tech support for the laser was so terrible. Like, I'm, I'm from the sign business. I can run CNC machines. I have, you know, I have a very good understanding of vector-based graphics. Their tech guys are coming in trying to help us. And I'm like, so what file type? It's got to be a DXF. It's got to be a you know DWG. I I know what to load. Tell me what I need to load, what version. And they're like, well, what I do is I take a JPEG and I import it into Microsoft Paint. And I said, okay, we're done talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I know more than you, and the, we gotta just stop. And the no, it was it was terrible. So their their best tech was I use Microsoft Paint. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I said. Wow. <laughs> well, I've always wondered about, you know, you go up to like Fry's Electronics, a place that is like the mecca of all electronic stores ever. It has, um, you know, both components that you would find at a local computer shop that if you want to build your own computer, if it's got... It's you know, amazing. Yeah. But then you go in there and they're running DOS and their their systems are like... Green screen. Yeah. Their yeah. systems really? are like so far behind the times. I didn't notice that. It's like, that. I was too busy in that damn checkout aisle where they get you with all the... Right. All the, all the little oh, trinkets. I need that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. I need that too. Pez, Pez dispenser, a little handheld laser. I, mean, I don't need that, but I want that. Yeah. yeah that's I mean, that's maybe, me leaving fries. Yeah. Pop rocks. <laughs> yeah. they. I mean, you know, I, I'm obviously... They're doing a lot better than I am, but... Uh, it just it's funny that the mecca of electronics is on this damn it shitty system you know the uh the thing about fries that i've always kind of just grumbled about is they they make you feel like you're a criminal like you're stealing stuff they're they're watching you oh cuz they always check you at the end yeah you check you at the bag oh yeah maybe even it's if you're just walk- me <laughs> even if you're walking out with some candy they they uh, i need to see that they yeah put the little marker on your receipt to let them know i'm like you guys i thought anything of it it's just it's just i don't know it doesn't feel right to me and just a weird culture well they do have a lot of little parts that would be easy to steal yeah but i don't know they have that big uh that big like banker's cage Cage? that you have to go to to get the like you know now that you're bringing it up i see exactly what you're talking about boss right like they got to call the pit boss over to you know to give you that memory a few gigs of ram yeah (laughs) whatever I can, you know, I can buy it on Amazon with a lot less hassle. And the other thing is, try to take something And now you can get it today there. on Amazon. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. That's crazy. I ordered a Thunder shirt for my girlfriend's dog. Had it that day. Jeez. Crazy. Which incredible. was great because it was thundering that day. You know, I've always said that Amazon needs to create a new service, a box removal service, because my garage just gets filled up with ton- I don't realize how much we actually buy off Amazon until I start looking in the garage and see all the shit that I got to break down and get rid of somehow. Yeah. You throw them in my dumpster. Yeah, I know. I get throw them in the dumpster, <laughs> but I always try to find the recycling, and I don't have the recycling at my... Anyway, whatever. Don't get me started on recycling. It's a big So does the sham. Thunder Vest work? I know. That's <laughs> funny, because I have a friend of mine that believes that it's a total scam, that they don't actually recycle. Do you I, I believe mean, that? I, I know that they don't. What? Yeah. So, and I know that... So they... if There's... They just charge you There's extra, a lot of stuff here. I'll give you another bid, and then they my... just dump it all back in the same spot? Or burn it? In in some cases, yes, that is exactly what happens. There has to be a channel in order for those recyclables to move through that facility. So if there isn't, they're not going to go out of their way to save the planet and lose money. It's got to have dollar signs attached to it. So if they can recycle it and make money on it, they will. If they cannot, they will not. Wow. Yeah. Well, and that's why... I had a. Uh, it makes sense, right. Jim. I, mean, I hope you're listening uh, to this because <laughs> this has been your case all along, and it sounds like we have some insider knowledge here that this is well, actually I, happening. I've researched the shit out of it because of the industry that I'm in. You know, like our so our disposable cups are they recyclable? Oh my gosh! Sure, they're recyclable. This is cool. But are people going to recycle them? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, depends on the 
on in place. How did you come up with this idea? I mean, if you look at it, <laughs> it's it's like it looks like a, a racer, like a an automotive guy came up with this. It's like you got a washer yeah. and a magnet. It's I a mean, it's, and a magnet. it is so cool. I it's love this. Super simple. I saw it in a daydream, and my dad said he didn't think I could figure it out. Is- my dad said he thought that if it could be done, it would have been done. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> this is really cool. Thank you. Incredible. Yeah. So we've got everything now. We've got glass and plastic. and. Well, I feel, um, I feel honored that I, I may at some point be memorialized. Yeah, no, we'll make you a magnet. The, yeah, that the is, magnet will come. Is, it hit me today as you I was You may never get it, in. but we'll make you one. <laughs> I would just send me a picture. You can tweet well, it. Well, if you and, wouldn't uh, be having this fail fest at a high school, I would be happy to sponsor the beer dispensing. You know what? We talked about it, and uh, that was one of the downsides is that we weren't going to be able to do. It's a pretty big downside. I know. <laughs> but you know what? We'll do another event, um, and we'll make sure that uh, it's, it's either at our place or at Sun King, uh, their tasting room up in Fishers. I'd love to downtown. be involved with a, with a launch Fishers event. Let's let's. I mean, do I'm it. not. I don't live in Fishers, but we've got a. Uh, where do you, are you? Northwest side or? We're. I'm five minutes from here. Okay. My shop is. All right. Yeah, we'll definitely do something. It'd be, it'd be a blast. Yeah, it's great. We're. Uh, we do. We're now a. Um, we're now a standard. Uh, feature at Verge, so we'll okay. be at every Verge event. Nice. From okay. Here on out. They. Uh, they. So I, I. I presented at a Verge event two months ago. Okay. And brought a bottoms up dispenser. The next event, they had an Angie's list. Somebody donated the kegs and taps. So they ended up with kegs and picnic taps. Okay. And it was a giant shit show. So they went from having a bottoms-up dispenser to having uh, picnic taps. And I got a phone call the next day. Hey, uh, how do you feel about sponsoring? That is cool. <laughs> I'm like, I'd Very love nice. Yeah. Well, you know what? When we get our... Uh, we're we're going to uh, go for a license. We're going to get a two-way up at Launch Fishers. Maybe we, and we're going to have Sun King on tap. Uh, maybe we uh, we look at doing something like this. I, I don't know why you wouldn't now that you know it exists. No, I mean it's. <laughs> I, I cannot believe that it that it holds and that it does its thing. I mean this is really cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty much the coolest thing ever. You okay. know what? It's an it's an enabler though because you want to just go you know and fill it up again. Yeah, I'm think, on my third beer. I think I found the only time <laughs> that it really truly leaks a lot is when we grab because I put the uh, magnets around the um, the the barrel. Therefore, they're curved now. That's probably so what's when you going put, on yeah. with my magnet. It's got a. It's got a, when it. Yeah. So <laughs> I got to stop, or at least stop using the ones that are on the barrel. Yeah. They, the magnets take the shape of whatever they're stuck to. Oh, okay. So, All right. Yeah. See how yours is nice and dry. Yeah. Mine's, I got a little <laughs> lake over here. What a trip. I, last night I was at a meeting and I'm like, they're like, what happens if the magnet's upside down? I'm like, it'll still seal because ninety nine point nine percent of the time it'll still seal if it's upside down. I threw it in upside down and I poured water in it and it just starts gushing out the bottom. <laughs> That's a good like, failure right there. Oh my god. My I... favorite fail <laughs> of the bottoms up system, at least in this office, was. Uh, uh, Michelle, for the first time, got a chance to finally use it, and she put the cup on, and we were just talking about the magnet, so I had the magnet in hand, wasn't even thinking about it. She put the cup on, picked <laughs> it up. Of course, there's no magnet in it, so it, it just... It comes out faster yeah. than it goes in. Yes, you know it what, does. Though? I think you've got a party game uh, in the making. What you need to do is sell a little adapter that's like a uh, like a fishing line or thread, and then what you do is you hold it up like this, and... <laughs> And then we make a beer bong attachment, and there are bars that have a magnet hanging from the ceiling, and you can walk under it and do that. Okay. All right. Yeah. See, you guys are way ahead of me. <laughs> well, I've been thinking about it for almost nine years. Now, so. <laughs> Practicing, probably. Well, the, my problem is, is like I want to do all this stuff, but you reach a point where you can't do all this stuff, or you'll go out of business because you've spent all this money on all this stuff that you True. wanted to do. So we're like really focused on our core stuff. And I'm going bonkers because I want to do all this other awesome stuff. I hate the core stuff. I'm done with the core stuff. I did it. It's done. It works. Let's move on. So, yeah. But there's going to be a day where you're going to walk into every bar. It's going to have one of these. You're going to walk into yes. every McDonald's. It's going to have one of these. Dude, we're crushing it right now. It's going great. The new the new sales and marketing stuff that I implemented at the beginning of the year is just, it's doing phenomenally well. It's so great. I'll have to show you our Do Something Else series before I leave today. Nice. It's really cool. What's the main challenge in in growing them, and what what do you what keeps you up at night, or what do you think about? Not it? a lot keeps me up at night because I drink quite a bit. But um, the the challenge is that the and this is gonna sound so douchey and cliche, but it, it's too good to be true. Like the benefits are like, well, I mean, look at what 
a beer filling magically through the bottom <laughs> normally there's no waste <laughs> yeah normally <laughs> but even then that was all that was wasted because it was pushed up and over the top right instead of because when you try to pour a beer foam goes to the back beer comes out the front yep so it, even when it is being foamy you're only it's, wasting the foam yeah so the biggest challenge is that it's unbelievable in all aspects like first how the shit did you fill the beer up through the bottom mm-hmm. two the benefits you're telling me cannot possibly be true because they are so like a 30 percent increase in sales sounds insane right absolutely bonkers it's true guess why beer's filling itself so you've completely removed the time to pour a beer that is needed mm-hmm. and you are free to do whatever else you want you could you know juggle check facebook go to the bathroom wash your hands <laughs> or you know the conventional method of check the id grab the cash or that and then go hand the beer yeah so you don't have to do that then go pour it's you know yeah do it all at once it's phenomenal it really is super cool thanks well that's your beer (laughs) take it take it on the road (laughs) yeah indiana law states that you can take it from the receptacle that it was delivered in so Mm -hmm. there you go that's uh yeah it's very cool well should we wrap this show up i guess so we're just rambling on about beer I'm three beers in. <laughs> and you still got a full work day. I know, right? Damn, this one o'clock show. Well, I, I appreciate you inviting me on. And uh, I uh, I guess I should at least shamelessly plug that FailFest tickets are still available. You should. Um, Hopefully this show will air before FailFest. Yeah, well, it might not. Well, <laughs> it'll be a good place also if you want to learn about the upcoming FailFest. But it's failfest.us. And uh, we do actually have special prices for uh, students. And uh, we want to make it easy for the younger crowd to get in. So uh, there's usually a way to get that on the site. But if not, just hit us up on our contact form and we'll make sure uh, students, educators, et cetera, can make it in. But uh, look forward to uh, getting to know you guys a little bit better and uh, have yeah, fun Yeah, I think we should do more together. I mean, this, this show's whole existence is because of failure. So We ought to have you... Uh, we're booked for obviously the programs printed all that stuff but we ought to have you uh, involved with it uh, next year either have you come on and speak or I would love to speak at a fail fest maybe you should, do... you should listen to episode one on launchpad you'd be like holy shit I will I, I will do that <laughs> uh, but I could see doing even one of these maybe we do a smaller version uh, with someone else or me we get on stage and do uh, do a little podcast live for everyone yeah. talking about failure and get a few more people around the table and that sounds awesome it'd be fun yeah i mean right. well thanks for coming on yeah you bet great to meet you guys Today on Launchpad, you'd be. <laughs> Today on Launchpad, you. God damn it! What the fuck did I even say? <laughs> be amazed. What you can accomplish. <laughs> <laughs>